This is Mason Russ, episode one of the Grip and Rip podcast. We've got a very special guest here with me today, Josh Boateng from the island of Grenada. Josh, yes, how sir. are you doing? Not too bad. I'm feeling great. Feeling great. All right, so let's just hop right into this. So tell me about your backstory. What was it like growing up? Oh, man. Like, life in Grenada growing up was very, very, I don't know, in-depth culture. So I will say I had a big, wide uh, base of knowledge on worth and self-worth and being proud of heritage and people. Yeah, I'll say that much. Yeah. So what's one of the main differences you see in American life as compared to life in Grenada? Um, life in Grenada is more, much more sociable. And sociable meaning like face-to-face sociable. People interact more. Uh, obviously, is less technology, so we don't do all the FaceTiming regularly. We probably meet up at a park or go for a walk, and it's a little bit more in tap to nature than the U.S. Right, yes. right. All right, so how was your transition to living in America after living in Grenada for your whole childhood? Oh, man. Living in America, the transition wasn't as hard as the ones that have gone before us explained. So, mm, there are certain control um, conflicts that happens along the way, but it wasn't as hard as what you will think it will be. There was big adjustments that needed to be made, and it came within a period of a year. So take me along your journey in track and field, and more specifically, throwing the discus. How have you seen yourself progress as a thrower in your long career that you've had so far? I've seen big progression thus far. Uh, On the the contrary, starting was really tough for me because you had periods where you were in an all-time low and it's because you're working on technical stuff, getting stronger, your body is aging, you're still growing. So your body is not settled yet to a point where you can pack on the pounds or pack on the strength and be more explosive and dynamic. So there was a lot of changes that was happening in my younger career, but now I've seen progression over the seasons that has been spiking as I get older. Right. So. Obviously, you're one of the top discus throwers in the nation. You had, what, the number four throw overall last year in all the NCAA? Yes, I, ha- I hold five, six out of the top ten marks in the NCAA. Uh, last year, including Division One and Two, I was ranked number one. So I would have won both um, championships. Right. So tell me over some of the records that you hold both here, back home. I, I hold... All my national records in the um, shot put and discus. Uh, I'm currently the school record holder at Texas A&M Commerce. I hold the regional record, and I have an all-time best of having six out of the top ten throws in history in D2 history. Right. So take me over the feelings that you had whenever you threw your all-time personal best of. 61 meters? Yes. It was effortless. I'm, I'm going to say that we had saw bigger throws before and even after. But on the day, those throws wasn't feeling 
as the mark that was given. They were feeling effortless, smoothly delivered. Um, and I was working through a peak phase at that point. So it wasn't really challenging for the body to, to do on that day. Right. So this season so far, you recently hit a national provisional mark, which jumps you to 13th in the country in the shot put yes. for indoors. So how do you feel about this season so far, as well as going into this next collegiate season, which will be your last? Um, this season, sacrificing a lot of work in the shot because I'm not paying as much attention to it. I mean, it really plays on the mind because of what you know you can do. But, you know, you have to lean on one side if you really want to make it to that elite level. And I think my shot is in the discus. So I'm paying more attention to the discus at this point. Hence my shot being at the level it's at. But it's good enough to get me into nationals and get me a fighting chance to actually strike one, which is possible on any day. So I'm not really, I would like to use a better word, but I'm not really frightened about that in the shot, especially indoors. I'm really confident of what I can do with the condition my body is in right now. Right, so with the condition that your body's in, take me through your training in a typical week, preparing the week before a competition as well as the week of a competition. Um, the week before a competition, a typical prep, which is called like a load phase or a base phase before you hit a peak, I will do most of my heavy lifting, slow lifts, that is really costly on the bigger muscles like the legs and the back maybe some chest work and tap it in with a little bit of dynamic stuff that is prepping you for that week off competition where you're ready to do your speed lifts and your fast lifts that will help you to be more snappy on the back end before picking up the implement for a competition and the week off you really want to back off and gradually do specific strength stuff that is going to help you with dynamics off the, the trail. Right. So, day of the competition, right? You got a big competition coming up. What are some of the elements that you like to recreate your, call it a pre-meet ritual? Well, I'm going to do everything. Competition is really a perception of the mind because you want some of your best performance, you have them in training. So you want to replicate training as close as possible in your competition. So I do everything that I do in training, replicating it in a competition. So I really don't change anything. I might just change the amount of throws I take before I'm ready to go after them. So I will cut down maybe from six to three because I know that's the amount of throws I'll take before the, the final start in a competition or before they call the top nine. So that's what I do. All right. So. What are your feelings like representing your home country, Grenada? How much pride does that give you? How excited are you for this opportunity? Oh man, it's been a long time coming. Uh, my coach always say, you don't train for the Olympics, the year of the Olympics. The training for that happens eight to four years ago. And we've been working to the 2020 Olympics four years ago. Um, when I was a junior, we was already tapping into the senior implement, making sure we're gauging marks and where we're supposed to be yearly leading up to this Olympics. And it goes back to what I said growing up in Grenada. It's all about pride. It's all about identity and culture in my country. And 
it's just an amazing experience to be there. So how do you feel about competing against some of the top athletes in the world in your event? It doesn't, it gives me a sense of responsibility to show up, but it doesn't faze me because over the years, I've been in international competitions, I've been in senior competitions, competing against the best in the world. I faced the world number two. Presently, he is the world number one this year. Um, I faced him already in Pan Ams. I faced a lot of the big guys, and it doesn't give me a sense of scare, but a sense of value to what I've been doing thus far. So what do you expect out of the Olympics, this being your first trip over to represent your country on this stage? You've gone to international competitions, but this, this here is arguably the biggest competition there is. What are your expectations? I, I, I would expect a top finish, um, whether it be a PB, a personal best, or a top finish with a number that ranks with all the numbers that was marked on that day against the other guys and a long shot I will want to be in the Olympic discus finals which is possible but everything has to be solidly right and done perfectly and which I don't think I don't have the ability to do I know I have the ability to do it so I just want to get there in the day do what's needed and let's see how the cards fall so switch it over to a little bit different topic Whenever you're about to compete, give me your top three songs as to what you're listening to and how that makes you feel. Oh, man. I will listen to... Top three. That's a rough one. I will listen to Vibes Cartel and any one of his genres concerning hype and, you know, readiness. Um, he's a good lyricist. And a little bit of Jay-Z, maybe Kanye... No Church in the Wild. Um, that piece that he did for the Rio Olympics, that's good too. Uh, that's about it. Probably maybe an ethnic beat. Top it off for three. Yeah. It's very ethnic. All right. So that'll be all for today's podcast. This episode one with Josh Boateng. Josh, any closing statements? Anything else you want to add to that? Talk about? I just want to say I've done podcasts before and interviews before but this this was one of the best and that was good interviewing with you mason thank you very much this is my first one episode one so you know we might come back in a few more episodes decide decide a later date josh thanks for coming in All right, it's been a bud. great time and that's gonna be it